This is what our God has done for us. For all the times that any of us have strayed from his word, or squandered his wealth, or despised his gifts, or tried to hide and run away in a faraway land, thinking sin won't be an issue. For the times we maybe have hit rock bottom, there is God our Father, looking, longing, yearning for us to return. And when we return, he welcomes us, rejoices that we have returned into his arms and are with him. And there's celebrating. That's what God has done for you and for me and for every sinner. But what about your brother? This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. March 27, 2022. Luke 15, 11-32. It can be really hard to be made to feel unwelcome. And I think that's especially hard and painful if we know we've somehow earned that ostracism. Maybe there's some way that we've failed. This can happen in small areas of life. Maybe we recognize we've, we've not only lost the game, but we've been cut from the team because of our poor performance. Or we're not on the, the drama team because we just can't make the cut. Being told, you're not good enough, or you've had your chance can be really painful when you're outside of a, a group or a place that you want to belong. What about when we're made to feel or someone's made to feel unwelcome with the family of God and with their, their church home? Can you imagine the pain of wondering, do I belong? Well, many have. Today we see Jesus responding as some people were wanting him to not welcome certain people into God's house and to be among God's people. And as we look at Luke chapter 15, we'll see in Jesus' response how he wants all of us, he wants everyone to feel welcome in their Christian home, in their church home, and with him. Jesus was meeting with what were called sinners and tax collectors. Uh, these were the people that had a reputation in society, and he was eating with them and spending time with them. Their reputation would have been known that they were the ones who had served as the sinful people, those who cheated, those who were prostitutes, those who perhaps had a reputation for indulging in too much wine, those who had committed sexual immorality. And the spiritual leaders in Jesus' time, those who were the scribes and Pharisees saw this, and they, they challenged, questioned Jesus, spending time with them. You can imagine how that probably made those people feel and wonder, are we welcome? Do we really belong with these religious people? In response, Jesus shares with the sinners around him, and with the other sinners who questioned him, a story that helps them to understand how God our Father wants to welcome all of his children into his home. And by his grace, he crushes all of our arrogance. Here we see in Luke 15, Jesus say there's two sons. And one of them says to his father, Father, Give me my share of the inheritance. So, you can see that that son 
only valued his father in so much as he could get something from him. That's what sin does. It takes the blessings and gifts that we can get from others, and that's the only value it places on others around us and how they can enrich us. The father concedes, and he divided his property between them. And then the, the younger son, after that, goes off, it says, to a distant country where he squandered that wealth and wild living. That's a trademark of sin. To get away from, from those who would call you to account and rebuke you, where you can spend your wealth and spend your sinning without that call to repentance or rebuke. Maybe they think that if they don't get caught, or someone doesn't call them to account, sin won't be a problem. But sin always comes back to bite. Jesus goes on to describe how that young man squandered his wealth, and then soon he learned that sin is deceitful. The devil's lie is that if we just go off and spend everything that we have, our, our body, our time, our self, that somehow we'll find greater pleasure and enjoyment in life that there's something greater than what our God gives us if we just spend everything and waste everything. That's a terrible lie. When you think about what the deception of this world and of the devil is, that it buys us to, or it causes us to believe the lie that if we just spend, then we'll be worth something. That if we expend, empty our wallets or give of our bodies, then, then we will be worth something. But the son soon learned after he had spent everything, what he was really valued at in that land. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went off and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. It's a job that nobody, especially in ancient Israel, would have longed for, to be in a pigsty. And not only was this man hitting now rock bottom, but this son found nobody cared about him. That too is the, the lie of sin. When you spend your money, your wealth, your body, you're told that you'll be valuable. But then when that's all wasted and gone, it comes to bite you. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That son came to realize rock bottom, that the, the lie of sin is that when you leave God, when you leave him, when you turn to expending everything and every gifts he's given and waste it, it won't satisfy, but will leave you surrounded by those who consider you worthless. And the devil will start to make you believe that you have no value now that you've spent everything and that no one cares. But it's here that the son Jesus describes, recalls his father. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. Do you catch that? Even though he had squandered all of the wealth that he demanded from his father, he said to his father, you're worth nothing to me. Just give me your money. And yet he calls him my father. He knows, as every sinner should know, that no matter how much you have turned aside and wandered away from your God, your father, no matter how much you have despised his gifts, 
he is still your father. And then the, the son came up with his plan. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That's his plan. His plan is repent. And notice as he comes up with this plan of repentance, he's not going to come back to his father with the, the hope that maybe, maybe he could pay back his father. He's coming back to admit his guilt. And notice what he says here. I have sinned against heaven and against you. Like David, who said in Psalm 51, against you, Lord, have I sinned. The son recognizes not only did he sin against his earthly father, but his heavenly father. That's what repentance is. It's not merely recognizing you've hit rock bottom. It's not merely being sad because life has become miserable. No, it is recognizing sin against God. And every sinner comes to recognize this. And every sinner has felt this, what this son felt. That when you leave your Father in heaven, and when you search after pleasures in this world apart from him, you will find that you'll be with a broken heart, a broken family, longing for something more. Every sinner knows that. Every sinner has experienced it, whether they come to their senses and admit it or not. And the only hope is what this son does, to turn from his sin and to have courage to turn back to his father, trusting his father is still his father, his merciful father. And yes, he's not going to come like some spoiled child and say, Father, you still have to take me back because I'm your son. No, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And with this plan, he goes back to his father with the courage to confess, knowing he has a father who still loves him. What this man was going to find with his plan was he would experience a joy beyond probably what he could have imagined. Jesus continues describing the return. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Can you picture the father longing for his son's return? He had watched his son go down that road in defiance and rejecting him. And he was longing to see his son one day perhaps come back. That's the love of God. That he not only wants to receive the sinner, he is yearning for, longing for that sinner to come to him. And more than that, the father doesn't just wait for the son to come groveling. He ran to his son. God comes to meet us as sinners with his embrace and his love. The father threw his arms around him and kissed him. He showed him his love. Before the son could even say a word, the father wanted him to know how much he loved him. The son continues with his plan. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But then the father interrupts him and doesn't even let him continue his confession or his plan and says, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Notice there, there is no making the son pay back his debt. There is no, okay, son, we'll make you like a hired servant. You're not really a son. There is only forgiveness and celebration. The son is made to feel welcome. Quick, this stinking sty, pigsty-filled son, give him a robe, put sandals on his feet, make him feel treasured and honored with a ring on his finger. Celebrate. Can you picture the love of God as he sees the sinner in all their shame, covered in the filth of their sin, and he runs out and says, I'm not going to make you suffer in your sin. I'm not going to make you pay back your sin. I'm going to rejoice that you are once again back home and celebrate. That's the love of God. And that's the love of God for the, the sinner who has wandered from him. Here Jesus is, is speaking about the, the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, those who had a reputation for sin. Today, maybe that, that would be the person who is out on probation. The person who in their past has suffered the guilt of drunkenness or addiction or substance abuse. The person who has abused their family member. The person who has committed an affair and deserted their spouse. Here, Jesus speaks to the, the sinner who has been welcomed back by God as a father would welcome back a wandering lost son and celebrate. This is the love that God has for us. His goodness for us gives us the courage to confess. And make no mistake, the Father isn't saying he's welcoming sinners to continue in sin. He's welcoming sinners who turn to him for forgiveness. Jesus isn't saying, I accept the drunkard to continue as a drunkard. He's saying, I welcome the repentant who's come to me without condition. After all, it says here, when you read of this, it says, Jesus is with the tax collectors and sinners who are all gathering around to hear Jesus. These, yes, are sinners with a reputation for sin. But one thing that makes them stand out is they wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to hear God's word. And they were like that son coming back to the father, yearning to belong. And freely, God brings back the sinner. This is what our God has done for us. For all the times that any of us have strayed from his word or squandered his wealth or despised his gifts or tried to hide and run away in a faraway land thinking sin won't be an issue. For the times we maybe have hit rock bottom, there is God our Father looking, longing, yearning for us to return. And when we return, he welcomes us, rejoices that we have returned into his arms and are with him. Think about what Jesus did for us. The father gave far more than part of his estate. He gave his son. And in great love, the son gave himself for sinners. And not just so that we could pay back our debt, but so we could be celebrated when we return and brought back into the fold as he says, I give you a righteous garment and the, the stain and filth of our sin is replaced with a holy robe and the seal of the Holy Spirit is given to us as he says, we belong to him 
and we are honored and welcomed as forgiven children. And there's celebrating. That's what God has done for you and for me and for every sinner. But what about your brother? As those who have been welcomed into the family of God, how do you welcome others? The parable goes on. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. He came near the house. He heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now maybe at this point you'd expect the brother to join with the father and to rejoice that his brother was back. But we read on. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out to him and pleaded with him. God wants all of his children in his home. The, the child who was lost and who is back, and also the child who thinks he deserves to be there and is in arrogance, looking down on his brother. He goes out, just as he ran out to one brother, he goes out to this one. But the son answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Slaving? Is that what the elder brother considered working for his father? And he doesn't call him father. He, he just insinuates that his father is like a slave driver. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Never disobeyed? Maybe this older son thinks a little bit too highly of himself. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Notice what the older brother has been reduced to. Just like the younger brother only valued what he could get from his father to become rich and to have fun, so the older son here, just like his younger brother, now only views the father in relation to what he can get from him and what he's earned. See what sin does? It reduces our worth and it reduces the worth of those around us and the worth of our God to mere what we can get out of them. And then he says, But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Notice he cannot even consider his father a loving father, but he won't even call his brother, his own brother, this son of yours, speaking with contempt. That's what sin does. We either have the courage to go out and sin like the first son did, or like the, the second son, we have the courage to defy our God and to think we've earned something with him and to accuse him of being unfair. The father turns to the dry, bitter son and he says, My son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Picture the, the person who has a struggle with sin and they're, they're brought to be with their Christian family or back in their Christian home again. Maybe they've committed some sexual sin that everybody knows about. 
Maybe they've struggled with addiction and faced some time in jail. Maybe there's someone who's known to have done some horrible act of sin and turned against their God. And they long for, yearn to be back with the family of God. How will their brother, how will you receive them? You who have been welcomed back by your God. Will they feel the, the celebration and the joy that the Father longs to give the lost? Will they feel the love of God the Father as they see their brother welcome them? Or will they feel unwelcome? Will they be made to feel like they have to earn their way back in? Or will they see you as one who feels like you have earned a better position? That's not grace. That's arrogance. Jesus shares this story because there are times when maybe you and I have been like that first son, where we have wandered and we feel like we're outside and we could never be brought back in, like we feel like we've lost our chance or like we blew it. He shares this so those people and you and I would know the Father welcomes us back. But also there are times when maybe we're a bit like that, that older son who look on God as if he is this tyrant that is causing us to work hard for him so we can earn something and others don't deserve it. And we too miss out on the Father's love and miss out on grace when we are like that son. See the Father's love for the lost, for those who are crushed under condemnation and guilt. He welcomes them home. For those who are puffed up in arrogance and pride, he crushes it by his grace. And so we can say regarding that person, that, that sinner who has come to God's house, we have to celebrate. And we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of ours was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. That's what our Father says. And so may we, as his grace crushes all arrogance,